The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to episode number 87 of Talking Mopars and another edition of Listener Stories. It's been a while since I shared some stories, so that's what we're doing here today. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. All right, folks, we're here to read some listener stories, so let's get right into it. Our first story comes to us from Rich Cash. Here is Rich's story. Hey, Chris, my name is Rich Cash, coming to you from the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I literally binged your podcast and loved every bit of it. I'm all caught up. Early on, I heard one of your listener stories from a Mopar friend slash acquaintance of mine whom I met online, Thomas Vennerstrom. I thought, wow, Tom is famous now. Ha 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 ha. So I reached out to him and told him that I had heard his story. We exchanged a few messages and he asked, when am I going to hear yours? I explained that I never thought to submit one as I didn't find my own stories interesting. He convinced me otherwise. So here I am. Ha ha ha. I've always been a Mopar fanatic. It's almost an obsession, and it started early. The year was 1994, and my mom was in the market for a new vehicle. We pull into the local Dodge Plymouth dealership in upstate New York. I remember the name, Cortese Dodge. We get out of the old Buick that she had been driving, and we entered the showroom, and there it was, a 1994 RT10 Dodge Viper convertible. I was stricken. The salesman walks up to us, and he instantly noticed my facial expression. He walked me over to the car and asked me if I wanted to get in. I was frozen. I remembered him opening the door and me flying into the driver's seat. My mother, not happy with that at all, began to scold me. I didn't care, and nor did the salesperson. He told me I could buy that car one day, just make sure I come back to see him when I decided to. After my three-hour experience with the Viper, we left the dealership with a maroon 94 Plymouth Voyager. That was when I knew I was obsessed with Mopars. Not only did I think that the Viper was the coolest thing ever, but I was just as infatuated with the minivan. Ha ha ha. I don't know why. My love for Mopar muscle was affirmed when I was 10 watching the original Fast and the Furious. The race scene between the Supra and the 70 Charger RT solidified everything. It's 2013 and I am in the market for my first vehicle. A vehicle I own on my own. I had just returned from deployment and I would need a vehicle as I was returning back to the States. My mother suggested that we check out some local dealers and see what we find. I had secretly had my mind set on a 2012 Dodge Challenger SXT, yes the V6, and had found one in pearl black at the same dealer that we had seen the Viper 19 years prior. Unfortunately, the salesman was not there, which would have been pretty cool. Ha 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 After a few hours, I walked out the proud owner of a 2012 Challenger. Since then, I've had a fleet of Mopars slash FCA vehicles narrowing them down to my current project. 2012 Challenger SXT Pearl Black, 2015 RT Plus Classic Super Track Pack with 6-speed manual trans, Tor Red, 2013 Dodge Dart SXT Daily Driver Pearl Black, 2014 Maserati Gilby SQ4 Emozione Blue, 2012 Maserati Gran Turismo Black, 2019 Charger Scat Pack Pearl Black, 2008 Dodge Charger RT, 
I swapped the 5-speed with a T56 Magnum 6-speed transmission, metallic black, 1980 Aspen RT custom gray paint, and currently my 1973 Charger 5.7 Resto mod. Sorry for the long message, I'll probably send a story for each vehicle as I love them all. The 2008 Charger was the one that got away. Sad face emoji. If I could find the person who purchased it from the guy I sold it to, I'd definitely buy it back. Well, that's all for now. You're doing a phenomenal job with the podcast. Definitely keep it up. Respectfully, Rich Cash. Hey, Rich, thanks for sending in your story. You know, I learned a couple things reading your story. The number one thing I learned was that I don't know how to read. Ha 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 ha. It just sounds so stupid. And that's my fault because I don't know how to read it. But the other thing I learned was that I don't know how to pronounce any Maserati car names. I am not good at Italian. So forgive me if I mispronounced any of the Maserati stuff. Another thing was that I too was stricken with the 1994 RT10 Viper. That car just, it changed my life. Seeing that car was just amazing. And here's a funny story I don't share. I don't know if I've ever shared this with anybody. My parents and I were eating dinner at a fast food restaurant called Taco Time in Seattle. And it was around 1994. And I saw this green two-door sports car pull into the parking lot. And I'd seen Dodge Vipers before, but I'd only seen them in red. And here is a green Dodge Viper. This is where the story gets funny because I'm like, dad, look at this Viper. And he goes, that's not a Viper. (laughs) What the car actually was. And keep in mind, I was born in 85. So 94, I was nine. Okay. It was a, (laughs) God, I feel like an idiot saying this. It was a Honda Del Sol. Okay. There I said it. (laughs) My little nine-year-old brain thought if it was a two-door and the top came off, that it was a Viper. And if you look at the shape, you know, you can't blame me. I was nine years old. Come on. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely a Honda Del Sol. I still think about that every time I see a Del Sol. It cracks me up. But um, yeah, man, you've had quite a collection of Mopars. And I do think it's funny that you were even infatuated with the 94 Plymouth Voyager. That's hilarious. But um, yeah, the Fast and the Furious, man. I was 16, I think, when that movie came out. And the import scene was booming. But um, definitely the 70 Charger RT stole the show. I mean, (laughs) you know, you don't get much better than that. And they saved the best for last. That's what I thought in the movie. But yeah, man, it's really cool that you've had a nice collection of Mopars. I think that's awesome. I'm a big fan of Aspen RTs, I got to say. So I think it's cool that you got one of those. And of course, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that I'm a fan of modern Hemis and classic Mopars. So it's really cool to hear that you have a 73 Charger with a 5.7. So Thank you for sending in your message. I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. I'm glad you're caught up and I'm happy that I finally got to share your story. Thanks for sending in your story. Man, what a collection of both modern and classic Mopars. That's cool. And, I'm, you know, I am curious about Maseratis because I've heard good and bad things. I've heard that maintenance on them is crazy expensive, but I heard they're amazing machines. I would love to drive a Maserati Gran Turismo because I think they're really, really cool looking. But being a Dodge guy and a Plymouth guy, I got I to gotta stick with my American cars. But, you know, if, if I ever had a big enough Dodge and Plymouth collection and I wanted something super luxurious, and maybe I already had a Chrysler 300C SRT8, I would probably look at a Maserati Gran Turismo because they're so cool and they sound really good. I don't know too much about them, to be honest, but I, I'm pretty sure that there is some sort of correlation with the Maserati Gran Turismo and the Ferraris. I think that the engines 
were manufactured by Ferrari. Now I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. As I as I said, I don't know much about Maseratis. But anyway, Rich, thanks for sending in your story. Keep listening. Our next message comes to us from James Farrell, also known as Slimmy Jimmy. Here is James' story. Hey, I absolutely love your show. I'm 23 and I am absolutely fueled by Mopars. My all-time favorite car is the Roadrunner, all years, even the Volari Roadrunners. But I have a real soft spot for the 1975 ones. I still kick myself for selling mine, but that's the way she goes. Other than that, I will admit I love the 75 through 79 Cordovas, but my love for Chrysler is brought on by my dad, who would street race his 1969 Charger back in the 80s. We flip cars together now, and we are not the guys laying 60000 down on cars. We are more cheaper for the every guy driver cars. But when I build them, in my opinion, they should have air shocks, side pipes, tunnel rams, hood scoops, crazy paint jobs, basically straight out of the 70s street machines. But to make a long story short, I would love to come on your show, and I would bring my dad on too. He is definitely a character, a real typical old school North Jersey guy. If not, thanks for your time. Hey James, thanks for sending in your message. You've probably heard me say this before. I love when I hear that the younger generations are fueled by Mopars, as you said. Um, It's really cool that you're into them. And I really do like the fact that you love Roadrunners of all years, even the Volaris. I think those are really underrated and I think they're cool cars. And they've grown on me over the past few years. I would love to find one. And when I went to go pick up my van in eastern Washington, I saw one on the side of the highway. It was orange and... I need to go back and see if it's for sale. But um, on Facebook, I, w- I was in one of the Facebook groups and somebody in Washington posted a picture of what I think is that car. So I don't know if they knew about it and they finally went over there and bought the car off the side of the highway or not. But uh, I'm going to try to find out the next time I go visit my mom who lives in eastern Washington because that's where the car is. But if that car is still over there and the one that I saw that guy buy isn't the same one, then I'm going to go check it out and see if it's for sale. But it's also cool that you like the 75 through 79 Cordobas because those cars don't get a lot of love. And I think it's mostly a stylistic thing. There's those hardcore muscle guys. There's the C-body guys. There's the, you know, 73 to the 1980s guys. There's the front-wheel drive turbo Mopar guys, the front-wheel drive Mopar guys, you know, and the modern Mopar guys. So it's like, I'm a fan of all of them. Of course, I have my preferences, and some I like more than others, but a Mopar's a Mopar to me, and a lot of those Cordobas had big blocks in them. Now, granted, they were low-compression big blocks, but that's all right. You can always build them up, and, you know, they make great project cars. You know, you don't hear me talk about Cordobas too much, and I will have an episode about them, but um, I do think that they are are very, you know, I, I hate throwing around the term underrated because that's all subjective, right? But uh, I think they make good projects. You know, it's a Mopar. Throw a big block in it and let her rip. You know what I mean? Um, I do agree with you as far as, you know, Mopars and 70 street machines. I love those vibes. Now, I'm the type of guy who, gosh, when I say I'm an equal opportunity Mopar enthusiast, it really is true. I love the Mopars that are, you know, jacked up in the back and have that really aggressive rakes, the side pipes the tunnel rams and the hood scoops, the crazy paint jobs, exactly what you said. The street machines are badass. I'm also the guy who likes custom vans. I love OE restorations. I love resto mods. I love it all. So it's cool to hear that you and your dad flip cars. And I, you know, I've said it before. <laughs> I say that a lot, <laughs> but I've said it before. 
Um, I have said it before. My podcast is open to all Mopar enthusiasts, and I've really been leaning heavy into the live streaming. So if you're down for it, you and your dad can come on the show live on screen with me and potentially some of my Mopar buddies. So pay attention to my Facebook page and see when the next live is going to be. Maybe there will be another one next weekend. I'm not quite sure yet. I need to schedule it out. But uh, feel free to join me anytime I have a live Um, It might be a little bit late for you guys over on the East Coast because, you know, I usually do them Friday and Saturday nights, and I usually do them after my daughter goes to bed, which is at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that's West Coast time. So it's usually a little late for you guys, like 10 or 11 o'clock. And I apologize, but that's the best I can do for right now. But look, James, if you want to join me on the show with your dad, you're more than welcome to. Just let me know. All right. Thanks for sending in your story, James. I look forward to talking to both you and your dad on an episode of Direct Connections Live. This next Mopar story comes to us from Jake Farnsworth. Here is Jake's story. Hey Chris, just got back from Wildcat Wrecking Yard. It was my first time and the place was everything my father promised to me since I was a boy. I finally got myself a blinker lens and a driver's side armrest. They're not perfect, but I still feel great about the find. I own a 1979 Chrysler 300. Some say it's a Cordoba, but this baddie has a 360 5.9 liter engine, not unlike Dodge's notorious little red truck. My dad also liked to boast about the car's posi rear end, but I know this is called sure grip in the Mopar world, so thank you for that. There is still so much I'm learning about this car, but I grow to love it more and more with every improvement made. I was just a baby when my grandfather found this car in the back of a wrecking yard. It wasn't for sale, and no one was allowed to strip it for parts, and this was because it was a stolen vehicle. My grandfather had the courage to ask about the vehicle, and they eventually cut a deal with him. It was a real hassle to get the title from what I understand, but sure enough, within months, my grandfather owned the 300 outright. There's a couple pics below of our road hog. The first time I rode in the vehicle, I was only a couple months old, and I puked curdled milk all over the back seat. Flash forward 15 years, and my grandfather wanted to clear out the cars on his property. We should have known that something was fishy about this. He gave my father the 300, and I have great memories of those first years that my dad got the car. He would soon resent the car, though, due to a terrible falling out with my grandfather. The car sat in our driveway for years, and every so often my dad would start her up to wake the neighbors. I remember hearing that car from my room, and I always knew that that meant my dad was in a good mood. At 23, I was in the middle of rebuilding the heads on my 1987 Chrysler LeBaron 2.2 Turbo. As much as I loved that car, I got in over my head and struggled to get it back together. Eventually, my father came to me and asked if I would trade him the LeBaron for the 300. I was blown away but part of me always knew it would come to this. I agreed. We tuned up the carb, fixed the blinkers, and I was off to the DMV. That was the first time I really drove the car except for once when I was 17. She floated down the road. I got out of the DMV and sure enough, the ancient battery died, but I never feel discouraged with this car. I was still happy knowing that she was all mine. Months later, my dad sent the LeBaron to the wrecking yard. He had no interest in it. I think he mostly wanted his garage back. I'm 27 now and expecting a daughter of my own. I can't wait to share my love for Mopars with her, and I'm hoping she reciprocates it. One day, the 300 will be hers. Thank you for reading my story and making your podcast great. Hey, Jake, thanks for sending in your story. I really need to make it down to Wildcat. I've heard some great things, and man, I was so shocked to hear that the place was for sale. So I don't know what's going to become of Wildcat, but I need to get down there before they shut down shop, if that's what's going to happen. I do think it's cool that you have a Chrysler 300 in 1979. 
with a 360. I love the 360s. I've grown to love them. Now I have two of them. I got two Mopars with them now, the van and my Mr. Norm tribute truck. They both have 360s, so I've become a really big fan. I've always liked them, but now that I have two of my own, I'm like, I, I, now I really like them. You know what I mean? But um, I think it's cool. <laughs> yeah, the, the sure grip thing is always funny. If You know, people call them posies all the time, and it really doesn't bother me that much. But um, the people that listen to this show, I try to ingrain it in their head that they're sure grips only because I hate when I like I'll overhear a conversation and someone will say oh yeah it's got an eight and three quarter with a posse and then if they're talking to a Mopar purist the Mopar purist goes whoa 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 it's a sure grip (laughs) you know what I mean so I don't I don't want to hear my listeners make that mistake talking to a purist you know what I mean but um I think it's cool that you have such a uh crazy history with this car you know I mean for God's sakes, you puked curdled milk all over the back seat. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's really cool. I love hearing when the young guys are into this stuff too. You know, and I'm only 36, so I'm, uh, you know, I'm not old. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I think it's awesome. And you mentioned the Chrysler LeBaron 2.2 turbo. I'm a huge fan of the front wheel drive turbo Mopars of the mid to late eighties and early nineties. I think they're awesome. It's one of those things where the muscle car guys, a lot of them do not like the eighties Mopars, but I do. So, you know, what are you going to do? But, uh, I totally understand what it means to get in over your head on projects, man. I've been there. You know what I mean? But it sounds like you're off to a good start with this 300. So I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that you're getting it all together and that it's actually running and driving. That's always fun with a project. There's nothing fun about a project that, you know, you're struggling with. You know what I mean? And like, like I said, I've been there, so I know exactly what it's like. It's awesome that you're 27 now and expecting a daughter of your own and that you're enthusiastic about sharing your love of Mopars with her. That's awesome. And, you know, she's going to be inheriting a Mopar. So hopefully she's into it. I am in the same boat. I'm going to try as much as I can to share as much of my enthusiasm of Mopars with my daughter too. And, and hopefully she's into them. If not, I guess I'll deal with it. But something tells me, you know, I know so many women that their fathers were into Mopars and now they're diehard Mopar enthusiasts. And I think that's awesome. And I think they're all cool. So we'll see what happens with our daughters, buddy. And I hope they'll be women of Mopar, but I guess only time will tell. Thanks for sending in your story. All right, folks, that does it for the emailed messages for this week. Let's get into the voice messages. I know some of you are saying, hey, Chris, you didn't get to my email or uh, my message yet. And we will get to those on the next episode. So we'll be hearing from Jeff, Nathaniel, Austin, Blaine, and Dillian on the next episode of Talking Mopars. I may just throw out another Listener Stories episode this weekend. I'm not quite sure yet, but we will see. Let's move on to voice messages. Our first voice message comes to us from Irvin. Irvin was actually a guest on a recent episode of Talking Mopars Direct Connections Live. I never got a chance to play his story or his messages before he was on the live, so let's see what he had to say. This is Irvin's message. Hey, Chris. Quick story. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I got my first car when I was 15. It was a Honda. And believe it or not, that Honda introduced me to the DSM team, which is Diamond Star Motors. And I see DSM as a cousin of Dodge. Uh, It was founded in 1985. 
it, it came out with priors like the uh, Plymouth, the Eagle Talent, uh, Mitsubishi Clips, and believe it or not, it's not, it has nothing to do with uh, JDM. It's more of a domestic thing. Um, but that involved me into boots. But when I really, really, really got into Mopar was in, I believe it was 2006. My uncle, he just came back from overseas. First car, his first car back, when he got back, uh, was a 2000, I want to say 2006 or 2007 Dodge Charger. It was a 3.5 V6, the high output engine. He wasn't a Hemi. He wanted a Hemi, but he does a lot of traveling. But we lived four hours away from where he was stationed. So he got that uh, 3.5 for, you know, save gas, I guess. But once I, once I, I realized that he got that Dodge Charger, it was just a no-brainer. It's, it's, it, to me, it's a four-door V8 idea, just, just, it, it just hit me. And for them to con uh, continue the, the, the Charger was mind-blowing. Especially, you know, you, you'd think that would be a two-door or a coupe or whatever. But no, it was definitely mind-blowing. And then I was sold. But we talked, we talked before. Um, I have that IG uh, page called All Out Mopar. It's still small, not that big. But I just wanted to share my Mopar or how I got into Mopars. Um, I really love your podcast. It, it, it pretty much motivated me to continue working on my Mopar, which is kind of a modern Mopar. I mean, more, I mean, kids nowadays see it as an old Mopar, especially with the new Dodge Chargers coming out and everything. So my dream is to own an old school Mopar. But uh, story short, once again, uh, I fell in love with Mopar when the, the Dodge Charger uh, first came out back in 2006. My uncle, he was a Marine. Uh, he was stationed in Japan. When he finally got uh, stationed back in San Diego, he decided to buy a 2007 Dodge Charger. But it was a 3.5 V6 high output um, engine. And he wanted a Hemi, but because he did a lot of traveling and a lot of driving, from home, from our hometown and back to San Diego, he just decided to just get the V6, which is great. But still, his was black, and it, it, it was just eye candy to me. It, it is something about four door V8. It's, it's a beautiful thing, and unfortunately, it took me quite a while for me to get my own Mopar. And uh, I'm 30 years old now, but two years ago, I was able to get my first Mopar, which was a 2007 Dodge Charger RT with a 5.7 pre-Eagle engine. My first V8, and it was, I mean, it's honestly the best car I've ever owned. And it was beautiful. I mean, it is beautiful. It's been through a lot. I'm going to tell you that much. Since I got it, had, when I got it, it had 71,000 miles. For 2007, 71,000 miles, it, 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 for, I got it for 7,000 miles. It was, it was, it's a great, it was a great car. But shortly after I got it, uh, 
the SOB decided to drop a bouncy. And that completely changed the ball game. It dropped the bouncy, tore up my six, uh, my similar six piston. The heads were, were, were gone to, you know, crap. And I just realized, oh, I found out that the, these heads are notorious to drop bouncy. What dropped the bouncy, I suspect that it was a clock catalyst, uh, cat converter on the passenger side was clogged and it caused heat. So eventually the valve seat dropped. That's what I'm assuming. That valve seat dropped and, you know, like I said, completely ruined my piston, completely ruined my head. Um, I literally had to look for new heads with the valve seat issue fixed and I had to rebuild my butt, which I did by myself, which was very easy and pretty quick. And uh, I got it running. After that, uh, it was running great. A few months later, sure enough, I spun a rod. <laughs> and you'll never guess what, which piston, which, which cylinder six. It was the same freaking piston. I spun a rod, so um, I had to flush out the block. I had to get a new crankshaft. I got to get new bearings. You name it. I, I did it all by myself. I didn't have. I don't have any mechanic friends. I don't have any friends at all that are into cars, let alone Mopars. I do have a few Ford dudes who are just all talk, which, you know, eh, eh, I, I don't want to get into that. But, yeah, I had to rebuild my block all uh, again, or not again necessarily, Oh, yeah, yeah, you could say it was again. Um, it, it's, dude, this car has been through so much, it's not even funny. Hey, Irvin, thanks for sending in your story, buddy. I know you spent some time with uh, DSMs, and I've been... I've been wanting to cover DSMs. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how I can integrate it into the pure Mopar content. You know what I mean? Because you start talking about Mitsubishis and we'll lose half the audience, if not more. So uh, I'll find a way to work that into the podcast because I would like to dive a little bit deeper into Chrysler's relationship with Mitsubishi because, you know, this podcast is about all things Mopar and that was definitely an interesting period of time in the history of Mopar. So we'll cover it at some point, but uh, everybody's got to start somewhere. You know, I, I think it's funny. I talk to a lot of people and, you know, that, that maybe have had a history with other, other cars other than Mopars. And man, I'm a car enthusiast. I don't care what cars you've been into or what cars you're into. As long as you think Mopars are badass, <laughs> then you're in the right place. You know what I mean? So I don't care how you got into Mopars. The important part is you're into Mopars now. And Irvin, I really hope you do get a classic Mopar someday. But, um, I think, you know, a uh, newer Dodge Charger is not, something to be ashamed of. I think they're awesome. And, you know, when it comes to performance, you know, you can do a lot with even the 5.7 pre-Eagle Hemis. You can do quite a bit. So I don't think there's any shortage of fun to be had with those cars. So I think it's awesome that you have one and keep me updated on the, on the project there. And hopefully someday you'll get a classic Mopar and um, you'll be able to get into that aspect of the world of Mopar. Um, you sent a few messages and I had to do some creative splicing. So I, I, I hope, 
I hope I did a decent enough job. And then your last message cut off before you could finish. But if anybody's curious about Irvin's whole story, um, he goes into more depth on the most recent episode of Talking Mopar's Direct Connections Live. So go check that out on Facebook and listen to the rest of Irvin's story. He's a, a good mechanic and he's learning a lot about Mopars as he wrenches on his Dodge Charger. So that's cool. Irvin, I might have you on to talk more DSM stuff um, when I get into that. So we'll, we'll talk, buddy. I'll reach out. Thanks for sending in your message and thanks for joining us on that live that one time. I hope to have you back on again soon. Thank you, Irvin, for sending your message. All right, folks, for our last message today, we're going to bring it home with our good buddy, Tad. Tad is the record holder for most messages ever sent into the show, and he's a good friend of the show. He has a Super V that he's been restoring in his garage, and he's done a phenomenal job, and we love hearing from Tad. So let's hear what Tad has to say this time around. Hey, Chris, it's Tad. I haven't called in a while, so I figured I better refresh your uh, machine. Hey, uh, anyway, I'm on a little crazy adventure here. I, I bought a, a ski boat recently, and uh, I just flew out to Georgia from California, rented a U-Haul truck down, driving up to pick the truck up and drive 18 miles home, 1,800 miles back home. But I, I kid you not, man, I'm listening to your podcast with Jovita, and you guys are talking about the SRT10 truck. And I'm in an Uber driving from my house up to LAX. And I swear, right as you're talking about it, you say it, I look over to my right and there is a black RT10 Viper truck right next to me on the freeway. I mean, I've never seen one in my life before, but you guys are talking about it. I literally look over and right there it is. Um, I mean, a couple minutes later, I look over to my left, and on the back of a tow truck is like an 85 Ram Charger, which I never see either. Anyway, just thought I would uh, check in, uh, say hey, and let you know I saw the, that truck. All right, I'll talk to you later, man. Hey, Tad, thanks for sending in the message. That's awesome. You know, what a coincidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? We talk about an SRT10, and you see one right next to you on the freeway. You know, I don't see too many of them out there in you know the wild too often but when i do man i i still love those trucks i would love to get my hands on one jovita actually got one <laughs> she got a really cool yellow fever edition and it is badass um i'm really happy for her and hopefully we can get her on the show again soon to talk about her latest acquisitions um but yeah man cool thanks for sending in your story we need to get you back on the show on the live to talk more in depth about your Super B project. So I think we're going to be doing a live here in the next week or two, but uh, keep your eyes peeled on the Talking Mopars podcast Facebook page for announcements for the next live. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Talking Mopars podcast. And that does it for this edition of Listener Stories. I still have a few left over that we'll play on the next upcoming episodes of Talking Mopars. For all of you listening that have been waiting to send in your Mopar stories, I am here, I am waiting. Send them in, and we'll play them right here on Talking Mopars. Mm -hmm. 
there you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For everything you need to know about the podcast, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, concerns, complaints, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com. Or you can leave me a voicemail on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR, and I will play your message right here on the show. Also, if you enjoy Talking Mopars and you would like to show your support, there are a couple ways you can do it. One way is by picking up some merchandise at the Talking Mopars merch shop on TalkingMopars.com, or by becoming a supporter through my Facebook page. Find me on social media by searching for at Talking Mopars Podcast, and be sure to subscribe to my new YouTube channel by searching for Talking Mopars Podcast on YouTube. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Listener Stories. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.